It's our Rugby World Cup podcast, the preview show here. We have the wine pouring. We're ready to go. We're looking forward to what should be, well, hopefully one of the better World Cups. But with me to chat about it are William Davies. Hello, Rob. Good to have you along. And Dave Finn as well. Ah, good evening, Robert. You're going to hear the voices of a lot more people who are going to contribute to our podcast over the course of the World Cup. Hopefully we provide something a little bit different, alternative. Not all the time focused on Ireland. Give you a view from the other sides of the game as well. In what is, William Davis, possibly... With cricket aside, the longest World Cup there is really in any sport. It certainly is. It's it's uh, seven weeks in a day. Does that top the cricket? Uh, not quite. <laughs> uh, for reasons I won't get into. Um, yeah, look, it's it's back at the uh, home of the game where it was invented. We're told they're playing the Rugby World Cup final in rugby school, are they? That's going to be mental. <laughs> I'm just I've just been reading all this stuff on their website. Um, <laughs> Just get the feeling. I, I look. Rugby people are, are are talking about this. They're getting really excited about it. Buzz in England at the moment's a little bit low key. You're just looking at the media sites. That'll start picking up now. I think next Friday night, it's going to be on national prime time television, and then it's just going to be rugby, rugby, rugby. Yeah, ticket sales have been good, David. They have been good. They're in, it's weird. They're, the games are taking place in places you wouldn't necessarily assume. I. I think they've done an okay job in selling tickets. I, I'm just, I was just was when they first announced the ground, thinking, hold on, that's not a rugby ground. That's not a rugby ground. I love the fact that you're going to get Geordies taking off their tops watching Scotland play Samoa. I think that's just a concept that is just mind blowing. Uh, I think this is brilliant. I mean, I think at the moment we're just in two weeks because there's no Premiership. There's actually outside of Ireland in England, sporting wise, it's actually quite low key the last couple of weeks. Then we're going to go into Premiership comes back this weekend. There's football for a week and then the Rugby World Cup last week. I think it's just going to explode. It's just it's just at the moment everything's so low-key. Once it starts, the first game is England-Fiji and Fiji are going to go out there and they're going to dance on someone. They may lose, but they're going to dance on someone and that's what we're looking forward to. I want to see English journalists patronising Japanese rugby players because they have no because the only thing they know about Japanese rugby players is that they're small and fast, which is wrong. I want them to say that Samoans are fierce competitors, which roughly means that we don't know anything about Samoans apart from the fact they're bigger than us. This is what I love about the Rugby World Cup. It's where we get to experience the fact that George, every Georgian appears to be made from granite. Uh, every, every New Zealander appears, every blonde, blue-eyed New Zealander happens to represent the New Zealand Maori. These are the things we only find out at Rugby World Cups. I can't wait. Yeah, one sixteenth, and you're in there with the Maori, but that's a whole other tangent. Um, it, it, it will it will kind of build in, in momentum. Actually, it won't build in momentum. It'll be a burst of a start, William, with about eight games. And then people are like, what, what's on tonight? Oh, uh, look, Georgia versus Argentina. Mm, uh, maybe not. Yeah. We'll be watching it, though. Don't worry, folks. Oh, oh we will, definitely. Um, look, there's a slight argument that there's too many teams, that they could take down four teams. I, I personally would go with that and reduce by a week the amount of time you need to get to the quarterfinals, but there's 20 teams there. And there are. It, it's a matter of picking out certain games as you go along. Obviously, Australia-Wales... England is the group of death. Every World Cup needs one. Uh, it'll never happen again in rugby, unfortunately, because they're going to make sure with the seedings that this doesn't occur again, which is a shame. They used to make sure... Well, I won't go that far because we'll be sued by her libel. But there used to be Rugby World Cup draws done behind closed draws. You just get a... Well, I don't even know if there was an email. There'd be a note in the paper or the draw was made at the last committee meeting and, oh, look, Argentina in the toughest group again. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm sure it was just the look of the uh, draw, really. <laughs> It's a festival of rugby. I think it's great that it's going to some slightly different areas. 
Newcastle's funny because, I mean, they have a, and we're, we're playing them in Europe this year, Connacht, but to play it at a big ground, it's about getting people in. The other bottom line about it is very simple. England have to produce £80 million to go back to world rugby. That's the deal. That's the contract they signed, which is uh, quite a staggering amount of money. That's why the tickets have been quite expensive. And they have sold a lot of tickets. There's still tickets available for most games. Some of the prices are bizarre. So if you're thinking of going, keep looking on that website because tickets are going to float back all the time. It's like the Olympics and you'll you'll get in. Yeah. Um, Four days before Katie Taylor's first fight in the uh, Olympics, they, tickets came online for the boxing and we, we flew over. So you, you never know. You, you might be sitting here going, I'm not going to the World Cup. And at the last minute, you might end up watching Ireland and France or something. We'll talk about some of that as the podcast goes on. That's the voices of two men who are very regular uh, to our uh, normal podcasts on the in the craggy rugby podcast empire. Our special guest for this week is Mike Finnerty, Sky Sports GA commentator on the Rugby World Cup podcast. Afternoon, Rob. Yeah, good to have you along. We uh, wanted to we wanted to get a perspective of a sports mad fan, if that can be what you are, and a journalist as well. Uh, but on top of that, you like you like your rugby, but like most of the country, like the vast majority of the country, rugby isn't your number one sport. So maybe you can give us a bit of perspective on how you think this Rugby World Cup is going to strike the chords of the Irish sports follower. Yeah, I suppose like everybody else, over the last few weeks, I've been digesting and devouring the various preview magazines. I think I've got everything from the Observer to the Irish Examiner um, gone through at this stage. And it's, it's, it's funny, it does creep up on you. And the more you read and the more you, you hear and, and, and see on TV, particularly those, those um, the TV3 adverts, I find them particularly inspiring. <laughs> um, you know, you do, you do get caught up in it and you do start to... Um, you do start to count down the days and count down the hours. And in this part of the world, in the west of Ireland, uh, it's no different with Mayo having exited the championship at the All-Ireland semi-final stage and Sky's coverage of the, of the championship wrapping up as well. There's nothing for it but to throw yourself headlong into the Rugby World Cup. And I suppose I, like everybody else, is looking forward to the fact uh, that the games are going to be played at, at a reasonable hour. You know, we all mm. remember back to the Southern Hemisphere competitions when we were up at all hours of the day and night trying to watch games and watch the best games and try and get a day's work done then on the back of it as well. But I'm personally looking forward to getting everybody out of the, the sitting room for a couple of hours on a on a September, October evening and just tucking into it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's the, that's the challenge. Memories of Rugby World Cup. Like, what are your memories? Like, the thing that people miss, I think, when we say rugby is sport number four, maybe in Ireland and a, and a smaller sport, is is everyone remembers Hamilton's try and some of your early memories of the the Rugby World Cup. I don't know. Do you go back as far as eighty seven? Yeah, I was going to say I, I'd have to say I was ten during the nineteen eighty seven World Cup, and it's weird how sometimes those sort of childhood memories last and endure much longer than to be honest maybe the memories of the last World Cup mm. maybe life back then I suppose not quite as as hectic when you're 10 you haven't a whole pile to worry about mm. uh, have you got your homework done that would have taken maybe five minutes mm. and um, you know are you, are you, have you got your gear bag packed for, for training apart from that I think you're pretty much uh, you're, you're a rolling stone and um, I remember Grant Fox uh, and I think maybe that's how we all grew up you know, the kicker was the guy that we all wanted to be. He was the guy that got most airtime. He was the guy, the, the lingering close-up shots. And I also remember getting up again ridiculously early um, to watch the games. And it seems so far away. I mean, it literally was on the other side of the world, which 
when you're 10 years of age, you can't even get your head around where this place is. Um, lucky enough, many, many years later to, to travel around Australia and New Zealand and, and, and see for myself what all the fuss was about. But I remember 87 and the sheer novelty of it and yeah. the sheer novelty as well of TV coverage of, of, of competitions like that. And I don't think... Um, you know, any anybody really knew how to cover it properly or how to embrace it properly. But we just including the Irish rugby team at the time. We're in, <laughs> I think famously in a chipper before their first game. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing as well. It was it was all a bit loose around the edges that time. I don't think Joe Schmidt uh, <laughs> and learnings and takeaways and process. I think the only takeaways that time, as you say, <laughs> were of the, the fish and chips variety. But um, yeah, 87, 87 for me and, and the hacker as well. I mean, you're, you're, you're a kid and you see the hacker and you're like, who are these aliens? You know, what are they doing? How come the Irish lads don't do that? <laughs> um, you know, th- definitely that was, I suppose, where, where my first rugby memories were formed then, as you said, the the the, the Hamilton try, um, Michael Kiernan, Brendan Mullen. I, I think I was definitely drawn to the flair players, uh, uh, the likes of uh, Neil Francis and uh, Kieran Fitzgerald. These guys, they don't stick out as much in my memory for some reason. Um, I think back in those days, I had um, maybe a fleeting ambition of being a, a goal-kicking out half or a try-scoring second centre, but uh didn't work out for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was always in the far reaches of your dreams, perhaps. Did you catch some of the- the World Cup in 2003 uh, am I right in saying or am I way after no uh, 2003 um, I unfortunately left the, the Southern Hemisphere two three days before it started yeah I, 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 the match, and you were around there yeah yeah we, we were in Australia New Zealand South Africa October 02 to October 03 and uh, really didn't think it through really hadn't put much thought into it a lot of guys we did travel with um, had planned things much spectacularly better in fact than we had I think the fact that my 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 girlfriend of the time now wife had little or no interest in the Rugby World Cup probably had a lot to do with the fact that we were um, backpacking around uh, around uh, Shantytown I think in South Africa a few days before the Rugby World Cup started and we're back in rainy Mayo the day it actually did start um, so we, we, we got to enjoy it alright but unfortunately we were thousands of miles away when it started but I think that was probably the, the the first World Cup in my recollection where you you got the sense that, that things had changed, you know, in terms of professionalism, in terms of the TV coverage, mm. in terms of the analysis. And since then, it has just gone, you know, into a completely different stratosphere. I mean, now we have players been interviewed during the warm up. We have referees, fully mic'd cameras to see what's going on in the scrum and, and you know, enough slow-mos that we, we, we literally don't miss anything. So... To be honest, I'm, I'm, I've gone full circle now at this stage of my, my midlife that I think you get a much better enjoyment, to be completely honest, out of sitting on the, on the couch watching it, um, watching it on TV. I was at the, the, the friendly game a couple of weeks ago uh, between Ireland and Wales, the, the warm-up game, and um, I was just underwhelmed, I'll be honest about it. I, it. It obviously wasn't the best game in the world, but I couldn't believe the poor atmosphere, uh, the stop-start nature of it as well, really, I found, I suppose, irritating to say the least. Whereas, let's be honest, you're watching that game on TV, the 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 the, the stoppages are filled with analysis, replays, you know, insight. Whereas you're sitting there in the Aviva, you're literally just counting down the the seconds. Uh, Mike, <laughs> something to happen. Mike obviously didn't buy the ten-year ref, Mike, in, isn't it, in there? But uh, yeah, I suppose to finish with, like, I get the feeling that like. 
maybe you're a good example of, of the sports fan who enjoys it for what it is, doesn't overanalyze it. So, you know, it goes on for seven weeks but, or six weeks, but I don't think you're too concerned about that. You'll tune in, big games at the weekend, you'll be watching England, Fiji. You're not going to be too worried about the fact that this never ends or any of that kind of stuff. Oh, not at all. I think... Um a lot of people like me, I'd say, would see it as it, it's a bridge between the end of the GEA season, the start of the soccer season uh, across Channel, and literally Christmas. It, it's yeah. sort of it's going to it's going to fill up weekends, evenings, as you say, maybe a Wednesday or Thursday when there's not a whole lot happening. The 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 darkness is drawn in a little earlier, and for me. Games involving South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, England, France, Ireland, you know, they're the ones you're going to be watching out for with the best will in the world. Can't see myself tearing into too many Canadian matches, um, <laughs> with all due respect to the Canadians uh, out there. All, they're all just failed hockey players. They're big left. Yeah, just, just <laughs> does, doesn't do it for me. And I suppose, yeah, look, once the knockout stages start, we'll, 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 we'll really get tuned in. Again, maybe it's because I spent some time there when we were travelling, but... I'm always, I've always been taken by New Zealand. You know, I just think they have this aura, they have this charisma around the group and you always know at some point in the 80 minutes you're going to get a moment of magic. You're going to get something special. Daniel Carter as well and Richie McCaw, they haven't got much time left at international level and I think, you know, you, you just won't want to miss a, a minute of that. Uh, I hope Ireland do well. I think it'd be brilliant for, for the country to give us all a little bit of a boost I'm not. I'm not holding out as much hope as everybody else. I, I just maybe it's the the Mayo football fan in me breaking out. I just have this fatalism that it's all going to end in tears, you know. And um, I see Paul Wallace uh, tipping South Africa as his dark horse to make a big impression. So that's good enough for me. I, I think I might put a few quid each way on them. So there are just some of the voices you're going to be hearing in the coming weeks as we produce podcasts to review and preview all the action. It's going to be exciting. It's going to go on for about seven weeks and I'm sure in the real build-up, if Ireland keep the momentum going, well, we'll just be really, really excited. One thing we do enjoy during the World Cup is following the uh, media coverage and sometimes we feel over here in Ireland we might get a little bit too obsessed with our own team and miss the fact that there are other very interesting storylines. So I hope we'll give you a bit of that as well. Dave, uh, I don't know. I think there's a few interesting things. I mean, if we're, go, if we're going to be parochial, we have two ex-Connor coaches involved in the World Cup. John McKee is the coach of Fiji. And I think Fiji are going to have a mass. Even if Fiji don't get out of the group, I think Fiji are going to have a massive say in this World Cup. Um, I think they could... We're discussing, we're discussing with William. I think Fiji could complete, could skewer England, even if they don't win. If they, hit, if they hit George Ford hard enough and George Ford is out of the World Cup, England are doomed. I think they could absolutely... In terms of winning, in ter- I think they could do. Or I think a Reese Webless, Lee Halpenny goal machine, web, um, less Wales are vulnerable to a Fiji, and I think Australia don't play Fiji, so they don't know how Fiji could. And I think I'll, I'll leave it to him to explain why he thinks Fiji, what Fiji have. I think Samoa against Scotland's going to be a huge game. Then you had the guy, at uh, Nguera from the United States, who skinned uh, Brian, who skinned Brian Habana in, in the World Cup. And also, you know, the fact that Todd Clever's been thrown out. I mean, they don't have Todd Clever in the World Cup because he's been thrown out, which means the Americans are starting to take it slightly more professionally than Canadian beards. I mean, I was, I was joking, but there are so many things that we don't see. We will, we, can we, we, get, we get will the be sound clip of you saying Canadian beards. Absolutely, absolutely. You can use it. I mean, there are going to be so many things. We will, yes, we will fundamentally be supporting Ireland, 
but it is a World Cup, and it's like it's it's actually it's like the soccer World Cup, except we're actually in this one, so we can actually have fun as us and watching because it's over seven weeks, and over seven weeks we get obsessed only with Ireland, and we're missing out on the ninety five percent of the other stories that are happening. Brilliant. <laughs> Well said. Uh, some of the fixtures in the first weekend, William. Uh, well, obviously, we, we've teed up the England-Fiji game. Glad, glad you mentioned John McKee. We, we come from a conic perspective, and he did a tremendous job with the conic forwards way back when, probably over a decade ago now. But uh, a great a great coach. I should, should also point out that the guy he worked under was Mike Bradley, and Mike Bradley's forwards coach for Georgia. His, his, his attack coach for Georgia. Which tees up the first fixture the following day, Tonga versus Georgia. And I think that's just an example of how some of the little fixtures are going to be interesting, because both those sides have a glimmer of hope in terms of qualification I know it sounds ridiculous Georgia probably really don't but at that stage if you say if you're a Georgian uh, player and you say listen I think we can beat Tonga and Argentina you're not going to say you're off your rocker either <laughs> you never know Tonga on the other hand have a really good chance they will be really targeting the Argentina game but they must get a win that first day so that's just the start of a day that includes lots of other good games including Ireland and Canada yeah, that, that's, the, that's the peculiar joy of it. Um, one of the things that I must admit... Fr- France-Italy is going to be tough to watch. I'm just going to call that. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually a massive game. Uh, and I think it's a huge game for France. That, we'll, we'll have a real idea what France are up to when we see how they play in that game. Uh, that's a banana skin for them. Mm. It's been played at uh, the West Ham United Olympic Stadium. Uh, sorry, I had to get that bit in. Uh, Anyone want to guess who who's uh, William's favourite football team is? But anyways. you mean the Leighton Orient, Leighton. <laughs> or- Orient Olympic Stadium? Yeah. Um, well, I'll see you later outside. Um, it's a huge. It, no, no, no proper game of rugby has been played there, so they're only going to get limited practice there. It, it, that has a nightmare for France written all over it. Even even though Italy aren't playing particularly well, and their best player Sergio Perez will probably not be fit for that first game. That's what it's all about. It it just comes at you in waves. Uh, there's so much stuff going on. One issue that concerns me, and it's been mooted a little bit in the press, there are amateur players of this World Cup playing professionals. Yeah, day three, Uruguay versus Wales is one, yeah. one example. And I, I have I have problems with that. I think there, there are big question marks on safety. Uh, you've got prop forwards there who are... Club players taking on prop forwards and scrum situations that are fully professional. And to me, that that has potential for issues. It'll need very, very careful refereeing. You cannot say to a side, take a step back, these guys are amateurs. They're just there to be beaten. Um, And unfortunately, Uruguay are a whipping boy. Yeah, the other uh, game on the Saturday is South Africa versus Japan, which is likely to be very one-sided. Samoa versus USA is kind of interesting because you wonder... Samoa versus USA is interesting because a lot of the American team are from Samoa. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's going to be great. Look, I mean... And just one other game. Simply put it, you got seven rugby matches over a weekend, which is not a seven tournament. We don't... I mean, we get that in the league, but we're talking international matches. I don't care if people are... If it's not going to be the greatest game of rugby ever. Samoa against USA doesn't happen. It's... We don't... Even at World Cup in football, we... we, we, in, In the Football World Cup, we see Iran playing the USA and we get hilarious. But those are two teams... Those are two teams who might possibly meet in a World Cup or a Confederations Cup. There is no logical reason for Samoa to play USA, for Georgia to play Tonga, for Ireland to play Argentina at well, outside of a World Cup. I mean, we, we are more likely to play to play Argentina, but England will only play Fiji when Fiji have no players available and they're just coming over and they play them at Twickenham yeah. and the Fiji, the Fiji guys will always have a guy sent off because he's forgotten that you can't decapitate an England centre. Fiji will have their best players available. 
Tonga will have their best players available. I don't care. I don't care if we don't see these games often. I, these, I don't care who the two teams are. This is going to be fun. Uh, final point, because I just want to mention one other game before we're back on Monday, and that's New Zealand versus Argentina. I don't know what to expect from that. Maybe you can sum that up before we finish. New Zealand will win that game easily. All right, there you go. That's kind of insightful, straight-to-the-point analysis that you can expect in this podcast. Right, lads, lots to look forward to. We'll be back on the Monday. Indeed, indeed. I mean, what, the only thing we have to do is... is the one thing about the Rugby World Cup is there's actually gaps between games, which is handy. Cause we yeah, can there's feel. a three-day three day gap between... Yeah, I think Scotland-Japan comes up on the Wednesday. Then, yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. We, we'll, we'll get the first round of games over. Um, if My only issue with the World Cup is uh, ad breaks. That's my only issue. Ad breaks. Oh, yeah, because ITV and TV3 and all that kind of stuff. Right, that's it. Lads, thanks very much. You'll be hearing all their voices and all the other voices here in the podcast throughout the World Cup. Stick with us for an alternative World Cup podcast. I don't even know if I can say Rugby World Cup because we might be sued or something like that. Well, we are now because you just said it. Oops. <laughs> Bye, folks.